we're back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. This is Dump on the Ump, ostensibly a baseball podcast. Tonight is Tuesday, January the 5th, 2021. Coming at you from Champaign, Illinois, my name is Joel. With me tonight, as per usual, is Sam. Sam, how's it going? Hey, Joel, I'm doing well. I'm coming at you, as usual, from Brooklyn, New York. Uh, Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. Thank God we made it out of 2020, well, mostly alive. <clears throat> right. Uh, right. <laughs> if you're listening to us, ladies and gentlemen, on Apple iTunes, this is Dump on the Up. Go ahead and give us a rating, a review, and subscribe. You can also follow us on Twitter at Dump on the Ump Facebook. You can listen to us on SoundCloud and or Spotify. Usually, this is a baseball podcast, but it's the off-season, so we're going to do a little hybrid here. We're going to get into what we call Top of the Clock. We talk about cooking and food, but before we get into that, Sam, I, I, got, I was doing some hot takes, some spitballing some hot takes, I wanted to run a few sports ideas past you real okay. quick. First one's not really an idea, but I did spend $19.99 to get the streaming subscription to the Dominican Baseball League playoffs. L-I-D-O-M, Lidom. I watched the first round of the playoffs. I have adopted the Australia's Orientales as my team. Okay. Uh, they they brought in wingers Fernando Tatis Jr. and Robinson Cano. And they won their first round playoffs against the Leones. Robinson Cano was fucking raking it. I think he was 9 for 18 with two home runs. <clears throat> it was amazing. I, they, I, they probably we don't about test Robinson for Cano steroids. recently on this podcast. I'm sorry, say that again? What'd you say? I said they probably don't test for steroids down there. Oh, I was just... That's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, good for him, right? Yeah. Good for Robinson Cano. Fuck you, MLB. You give me a one-year suspension. I'm going to go be the, the playoff and postseason MVP in the Dominican League. Um, however, the... Australia's Orientales, the Eastern Stars, they are down right now three games to none to the uh, one seed Gigantes del Cibao. I apologize for my mispronunciation. And so they're going to need a big comeback to get back into that series. Who's who's on that team? What? Who's on that team? I don't know. I don't know if there's any... uh, Because... Uh, not Fernando Tatis. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was on the the Leones, but the the Gigantes gotta have somebody good. Yeah, I'll look up their roster right now. Yeah, do that because they are the top seed and they've won the first three games of the semifinal series against the Australians. Gigantes um, del Chiabo. Yeah, C I B A O. I think that's a chi sound now. Chiba, chiba. I don't know. I don't speak Spanish. Chiba, chibao. Chibao. Chiba. Hold on, I'll look it up. Yeah. While you're doing that, um, 
some folks might know uh, I am a big college football addict. I'm not a fan because college football is immoral and we probably should not be playing it, but I am addicted to it. And I watched the bowl season this uh, winter break, and they've got all these Nissan Heisman House ads where all the former Heisman Trophy winners are hanging out in a frat-style Heisman house together. You know, so you got Tim Tebow and Kylo Murray and Marcus Mariota and, like, um, Bo Jackson, I think. What? Yeah, so they've got all the, you know, so they're selling cars. But they don't have Heisman Trophy winner Johnny Manziel in these ads. They don't have Heisman Trophy winner and uh, Donald Trump fan Herschel Walker in these ads. And they don't have Heisman Trophy winner O.J. Simpson Twitter star in these ads. So I want to create, right. like... O.J. Simpson's the, another oh, one that you're a fan of now. Oh, yes. O.J. <laughs> Simpson. Like, sure, he probably murdered his wife, Simpson. definitely. But uh, he's good on Twitter. <laughs> he's pretty funny on Twitter. Uh, so it's I would it's watch, Sabau. You know, Johnny Manziel and O.J. Simpson and Herschel Walker in their Heisman house where they're just snorting a lot of blow and talking about, like, conspiracy theories. And, like, Jose Canseco shows up every once in a while. Right. That's a show I would watch. He's, like, the neighbor. Yeah, he's definitely the neighbor. <laughs> Runs his alien hunting slash car wash. <laughs> alien hunting company slash car wash. Right, he's always trying to get them to stop letting their dogs shit on his lawn. <laughs> Yep. Anyway, that was just an idea I had. So, O.J. Simpson, if you're listening, uh, get on this. Call me. Dump on the up at gmail.com. Anyway, it's called Sabal. O.J. Simpson. I'd be pretty excited. And did you find anybody on this roster yet, Sam? Uh, no, I'm just was trying to figure out how to pronounce it. Oh. Sabal. Oh, I think I... Gigante still Sabal. It is a region in the north of the Dominican Republic and is the most populous region in the country. Yeah. See, I click on batting stats, but it comes up blank. Um, that should be one of our plans for 2021 is to go down to the DR for Christmas and go to Winter Bowl? Dominican baseball game. Yeah. <clears throat> Tiago Del da Silva. Let's see. Pitchers. Mm, Chris Ellis. It's an American sounding name. Uh huh. Oh, you know, okay. Uh, Sorry, Silva. I'm just reading the roster. I don't see anyone. Juan Minaya, Willie Peralta, Edgar Santana, Carlos Ramirez, Ramon Ramirez. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. 
I don't know any of these people. Yeah. They're probably a real team. They like practice together, you know. Right, right. They don't need. <clears throat> it's just like the other team is just partying. On, the other team's just partying on Robinson Cano's yacht instead <laughs> of practicing. <laughs> With OJ Simpson. Yeah, they're just like prank calling Derek Jeter. <laughs> Guys, guys, I really think we need to get to practice. Hold on, hold on. We got prank call A-Rod yeah. next. <laughs> I got uh, A-Rod on FaceTime. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, well, go Australia's, but I don't know. We don't know what will happen. Um. Okay, so let's talk a little top of the clock for a minute. So, listeners of the podcast already know, I am doing the quarantine. I have been trying to experiment with my crock pot at least once a week. I am not a talented chef, uh, but, you know, I'm having fun. So, this week, I tried for the second time uh, what we were calling cabinet chili. Sam, you texted me and said, is that condor chili? Right. And I like that. That's a better name, yeah. That's a much better name. But there is no condor meat in it yet. Right. Um, <laughs> that could be your hook, though. Exactly, yeah. I don't think that's illegal. Um, <laughs> yeah, you definitely so, would like, get a lot know, of... It's based on throw everything that you have in your cabinet in the crock pot and turn it on. Right. I've been experimenting with it. So it's got three kinds of beans, uh, lean ground beef, pound 1.75 pounds lean ground beef, uh, can of diced tomatoes, half a small can of tomato paste, uh, some diced tomatoes, I mean, you know, some chopped up tomatoes, as much garlic as I can get in there. This right. was five cloves chopped. Um, and then spices. I, I put cinnamon in it, uh, cumin, cayenne pepper, red pepper flakes, salt pepper. That might be it. Oh, chili powder. Um, and then this time, the big difference I made this time. Oh, and uh, chicken, a little bit of chicken broth, uh, two cups of chicken broth, and then I put in some diced jalapenos on this on this go around. Right. And I think that was a good thing. I think I even could go spicier. I've been really hesitant to turn up the heat because I, I've i done dishes in my crock pot that have been way too spicy. And then I can't really do much about it. Um, and I would also say I did two things that, Sam, you have recommended to me in the past. One is when I was done, I cooked it on slow for eight hours. And when it was done, I took the lid off and let it simmer for about 20 minutes okay. to evaporate some of the water, Yep. which I, you know, thicken it a little bit. Uh-huh. And then I ate a bowl and it was fine. But then I let it sit overnight and I had another bowl this evening. And before I cooked it, I scraped off all the fat that had congealed on the top. Smart. And that made it a lot better. I yeah. really like it after I get to skim the fat off the top. Um, and I, I haven't put it on anything yet. I've just put cheese on it. 
I, you know, my last chili I put on potatoes. Um, ooh, I do have some leftover French fries. I could put it on the. So yeah, so it's pretty good. Still needs some work, I think. Right. Still needs a little kick. Something special about it. I think that first of all, I just want to say that eventually, I think that this could become a competitor for Skyline Chili if you keep working at it. Right, that's the goal. Until right. they buy us out. Right, exactly. <clears throat> then yeah. they buy us out. Then we make the real money. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> first, first you get the sugar. Right. <laughs> then you get the money. <laughs> then you get the women. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're just waiting to be rolling in that Cincinnati chili money. Right. Uh, Skyline Chili. Dump on the up at gmail.com. Sponsor us. Yep. They should. Yeah. Um, yeah. That all sounds pretty good. I would challenge you the next time to, and I don't know if you have like Latin groceries in your area, or I guess you're not really going to the store. But I think when I'm making chili, I have much better results when I use um, a variety of dried chilies instead of chili powder. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Right? Because you can put these, you know, they're they're varying ranges of spicy. So you can like put, you know, there's a bunch of dried chilies that aren't very spicy. And you can just put a bunch of them in there for flavor. And you can put a bunch of spicy chilies in there and you like taste it as it goes. And if you feel like it's getting too spicy, you can just pull them out because they're dried chilies and they don't like break down that much. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. So you can kind of like gauge, you know, and you know, you should like, maybe this is a little too extra for what you're trying to do. But like when I'm developing recipes at work, Every time I do an iteration of it, I like write down all of my ingredients and then I'm like, I like this, but I wanted more garlic or I wanted more chili peppers or whatever. So it'd be like, okay, I put six chili peppers in, I put six of chili to arbol in this time and I think it could be spicier. So next time I'm going to try eight chili to arbol or 10, you know, depending on how you do that because when i make chili and this is not cincinnati chili that i'm making but the only seasonings i use are like a million different kinds of chili peppers and then cumin and that's it and salt okay but that's more like southwestern style chili you know Right, which is delicious. Which is also what do you, how delicious. How do you serve it? Do you just serve it in a, in a bowl or a cup or do you put it on something? I was doing like an all bean vegan chili that I was uh-huh. serving at one of my restaurants as a vegan chili dog. It was like a bar, so I was trying to like get a good vegan bar food option. I thought uh-huh. it was really good. It didn't sell that well. Um, oh. The vegan, I mean, there's a vegan population that you're serving to, right? I just think and that if you're a others? vegan and you're drunk, like, you still want, like, greasy food, right? Like, that's what I would think. But I, I'm not sure that's true. 
Hmm, that's really interesting. What was the hot dog made out of? It was just like a veggie dog. I didn't make the hot dog. It was just okay. like a vegan soy dog or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so New Year's Eve just passed. Right. And Sam, you were telling me um, about some food that you guys, uh, I don't know if you cooked it or if you bought it, if you made it or if you bought it for New Year's Eve and New Year's Day brunch. Is that right? I worked on New Year's Day brunch. Oh. So like that? I worked New Year's Eve night and then I also worked New Year's Day brunch and like New Year's Eve night wasn't crazy because there's a there's a hard 10 o'clock restaurant curfew in New York because of the pandemic. So we had to be closed by 10. Um, so I was home. You know, I didn't stay. I didn't even stay till the end. I probably got home at 10 o'clock. Um but I had to work brunch the next day. So I didn't stay up that late. But me and my girlfriend, we have a thing every year on New Year's that we'll buy and eat a bunch of caviar. So we did that this year. Uh, and usually we just do it, just have like a, you know, we cook food and just have the two of us. But this year, um, because, you know, no one could go out, we had guests over um, also. So, but <clears throat> yeah, caviar. It's like once a year I eat caviar on New Year's. I thought, did you, have, did you have champagne? Yeah, and champagne, yep. Yeah. I like caviar. Yeah, me too. Oh, God. It's so yeah. good. It's so expensive, though. Right. It's like, I, why is it? I mean, I could probably guess why it's expensive, but is there a, like, is it expensive the way diamonds are expensive? Like, it would not be expensive? Uh, It's expensive because it's, like a lot of caviar, it's expensive because a lot of the species of caviar producing sturgeon are like basically extinct now because of overfishing. Um, uh-huh. And unless you get farmed stuff, which is hard to come by, it's like almost impossible to get sustainable. Because even like, it's basically, it's so expensive because it's so rare because there's such intense like uh conservation restrictions on the harvesting of it uh-huh. because caviar comes from sturgeon which is like one of those species that hasn't evolved in like five billion years so like the sturgeon right. that are swimming around the caspian sea today are biologically the same as the sturgeon that were swimming around the caspian sea in like the jurassic period you know what i mean and so they produce this roe, which is what caviar is. And it, like, uh, the beluga caviar, the beluga sturgeon, which is, that's the highest grade caviar in the world. They take 18 years to reach uh, sexual maturity, which, Whoa. like, they don't, it, they don't produce eggs for 18 years. And then, you know, one sturgeon will produce, like, whatever 10 kilos of well maybe not 10 kilos but five kilos of caviar which is a lot but they only do it Uh once because once you catch it and you know you kill it by harvesting its eggs and then Uh um and so it's kind of and so basically it's like it's a pretty unsustainable product 
and right. it's taken a really long, like nobody is farming beluga sturgeon for caviar because like nobody has the startup money to wait 20 years to like start selling a product you know right um so and the reason that like even with all of the intense and they're also oh what the fuck they're the same as salmon right they they go uh they, are they fresh water or salt water they're salt water mm-hmm. they spawn in fresh water mm-hmm. i forget what that's called but basically they like go up the same river um that they were born in and then they spawn right. and then but i don't think they die no, probably not, but yeah. uh, the salmon have gone to the brink of extinction because of things like dams right. and, well, <clears throat> and traffic on the rivers. So what happened is most of the caviar comes from the Caspian Sea, which is bordered mm-hmm. by, a large part of it's bordered by Russia, um, right. and the two biggest caviar producers... Friend, friend of the show, Russia. Friend of the show, Russia. Um, <laughs> and so... It's it's actually it's super interesting because um, under like in the USSR under communist rule there were like really really intense and strict um, laws about caviar and and like conservation laws and like if you are caught poaching sturgeon then like you get raped to death by a bear or something like that you know like. Um, and as soon as the USSR fell, it was like open season for poachers. And then like, um, you know, the new Russian government, like the USSR was bankrupt and they needed like anything they could. So they dammed up a bunch of rivers for hydroelectric, which also like completely ruined a lot of sturgeon habitat. Uh-huh. Um, and this is just you know from whatever eighty nine yeah. until yeah. now, right? And so it's really been like you can't. I don't think you can legally buy beluga caviar in the United States anymore. Uh-huh. Like at all. It's got to be on. It's got to be on the black market through right. the Russian mafia. Exactly. <laughs> That's scary. Yep. Like the only place you can legally buy it in the United States is at Mar-a-Lago, probably. Right, right. When Putin comes to visit, <laughs> yeah. yep. Friend of the show, Vladimir Putin. Friend of the show, Vladimir Putin. Yeah. <clears throat> I'll follow Putin on Twitter. Well, that is really interesting and really fucking sad. I'm interested. You know, like those. Species like sturgeon that haven't evolved in 500 million years and don't become sexually mature until 18. How long do they live naturally, do you know? Like 50, I think, or 60 maybe. Yeah. They're but cool. I'm They're really, really cool fish. <laughs> they they have like, a, it's like instead of scales, they have like, um, like it's it's not an exoskeleton, but they have like, basically plate armor on the outside of them um uh, and they have no natural predators uh right because they're just big ass fish right they're like that hang out in 
Yeah, and a mature beluga sturgeon can be like, you know, almost 20 feet long. They're huge. Uh, it's been a long time since I read that book. So anyone who's fact-checking me at home, if I'm wrong, you're wrong. Yeah. Exactly. Shut the fuck up, Google. Um, okay. Uh, let me know how we're doing on time. Yeah, 24 feet because they can max out at. Which is 24 huge. 24 feet they can max out. Yeah. And they're the you, biggest speaking ones. Speaking of books, you... Yeah, well, that's what I was also wondering about, like, okay, what about the lower-grade caviar? Where does that come from? Other kinds of, is it all caviar from sturgeon? Uh, yeah, or, like, similar fish. Like, they make salmon caviar. The thing about um, sturgeon roe is that uh, the, the eggs are so fine. And, <clears throat> like, a lot of fish... Like a lot of like a lot of fish that are you know have evolved from that time, uh, their eggs are like f- more fused together in sacks, where or uh-huh. or much larger like the salmon caviar, um, and the blue like the sturgeon caviar is like very small. So there are a few like farmed products like paddlefish roe is one that they're farming. And they are actually in the United States now. They're farming uh, white sturgeon, I think, for caviar, which is pretty good. Um, we got that for... New, I think it's white sturgeon. I can't remember. But, <clears throat> you know, fun history of caviar in the United States is that there used to be so much sturgeon in the Hudson River. I think I've told you this before. It was called Albany Beef. The sturgeon. Um, because, like, sturgeon meat also is, like, very... Uh, it's very meaty. It's, it's not, like, super flaky like fish. It's, like, very meaty. Um, and they called it Albany beef. And in... Uh, up the Hudson River, they would have bowls of caviar on the... Like, on bars as like a salty snack like peanuts you know yeah. so like instead of bowls of peanuts there would be bowls of like white sturgeon caviar on bars nice. up the hudson river isn't that crazy that sounds awesome yeah <laughs> wasteful awesome after so if you like catch a a, a white sturgeon and harvest it for its row can you then eat the fish also or is it an either or kind of uh, yeah, you can, but there's not like it's not like uh, it's not a so, it's like not commercially worth it. I think to like then sell all this meat too, because I mean, I think maybe they turn it into cat food or something. I don't know. Sure. And I think that they're like developing techniques where they like cut open the fish oh, and developing what techniques to like harvest the caviar without killing the fish but that would be that would be a big deal the problem is is that like all of the conservation efforts are like completely undermined by the black market especially in russia um sure yeah hmm 
Okay, so one more topic before you, we go. Uh, do you want to talk about what you got planned for cooking next, or do you want to talk about this pepper book that you started reading? Oh, it's not a pepper book. It's a fermentation book. Fermentation book. Yeah, it's called The Art of Fermentation, I think. Fuck. Okay. You have it? Yeah, I have it. uh, Yeah, I have it. Um, I don't have it on on hand, but I have it. I've been reading it. And actually, I got it for Christmas. And before Christmas, I started probably... It was actually after Thanksgiving, I kind of put forth this challenge to my staff and then I no one ended up doing it actually except for me to make hot sauce and I started making this fermented hot sauce even before I got this that's book like, that's like beating the boss in that way <laughs> sorry <laughs> right hey guys here's a fun thing we can do as like a competition uh, I guess I'm gonna do it right <laughs> um, so what do you mean I just started making this fermented hot sauce, um, and I was the challenge for myself was to make it with mostly dried chilies to create a more shelf stable product. Uh, mm. Anyway, I've like I'm on my third round of it, and I've like I think I've nailed it. It's it's really good. It's like a it's a live culture fermented hot sauce and it's fucking legit what is the best thing you've used it on in i well we're gonna serve it on fried chicken that's what i that's what we made it for that's what i made it for Uh um and it's really good but it's good on everything it's good on eggs it's good on french fries it's good it's good stuff um and it's not too fermenting what's that what are you fermenting for the, this hot sauce? The chili peppers. Chili peppers. Yeah. Yeah, so basically it's like you just take a bunch of chili peppers and grind them up and then you add salt to them and then keep them submerged in their own juices and they just start to ferment and they get sour. Okay. It's like making pickles or sauerkraut, same sort of deal. Okay. <clears throat> but I got this pickles book... Are- I got this book called The Art of Fermentation, which is, so far, I've only read, like, the first couple chapters. Um, And it's kind of a recipe book and kind of not a recipe book. Uh, But it's cool. It's really cool. It's written by this guy. It was a New York Times bestseller. Won a James Beard Award or two, like a Golden Whisk Award. Some, like, you know, pretty high awards for in the culinary world. Uh, which is cool because okay. it's like, I feel like, you know, fermentation of foods was kind of a thing that was relegated to, you know, the past before refrigeration, basically. Or also like, uh-huh. just kind of like homesteady slash hippie mom sort of world. So it's sure. cool that it's kind of coming back um, because it's kind of a thing that used to be everywhere and kind of has disappeared but it's like it's cool to see that this book made it to bestseller lists and won awards and stuff um anyway it's pretty interesting it's it's kind of preachy uh so far anyway (laughs) um but it's cool uh and and i think it's going to be 
you know, I think I'll probably start making a bunch of weird fermented stuff. So that's exciting. What's it preachy about? Just like the kind of health benefits of fermented foods and kind of the evils of the, uh, you know, pharmaceutical industrial complex, like modern Absolutely. medicine world, which I get. And, you know, everyone is like, oh, and like these, these, like the people who are like really into fermentation are like, oh, well, you know, oh, and also it's like kind of fits in with the anti-vaxxers. It's like, oh, right. well. I was actually thinking about that. <clears throat> right. And, the, you know, it's like, oh, you got to like, you know, gut health is so important. And it's like so good for like, if you just have a healthy gut, then like your immune system health will be so good. Right. And, but it's just like, you know, it used to be that like everybody ate all of these foods all the time. You know what I mean? Like it was, everyone just ate fermented foods constantly because like refrigeration wasn't widely available. Canning was like not something that everybody did. So everybody eats these fermented foods, right? And it's like the life expectancy is so much higher now than it used to be. So like to say, and like, so many people are alive that like wouldn't have been alive, you know, 150 years ago or, you know, and they're like, Oh, well, you know, it's like, they think that, you know, it's not proven, but it's thought that maybe autism, the rise of autism has to do with like the pharmaceutical, you know, people eating antibiotics all the time and it killing your gut bacteria. And it's like, well, maybe, or maybe it's just that like, autistic babies didn't survive and like therefore were never like you know it's just like it's a little bit preachy and it seems like there's a ton of evidence to prove that you know things are not were not better 200 years ago health-wise than they are now you know well you can have all the super healthy fermented yeast guts you want doesn't fucking matter if you die of polio right yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> or like you know you cut yourself and get an infection and Small die <laughs> yeah tetanus yeah <laughs> oh damn that will require a tetanus shot <laughs> right it's like, oh, better eat uh, sauerkraut. It's like, oh, you stopped eating sauerkraut. Now everyone's so much less healthy than they used to be. And like, meanwhile, the plague isn't a thing, you know? I don't know. Oh, well, technically. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Get vaccinated, people. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, don't eat organic foods if you can afford it. Don't go to McDonald's all the time, even though it's delicious and satisfies that. What were you telling me about last time? I keep thinking about it. The the sugar that they just load up in. Uh, oh, yeah, your sugar addiction. Food. Yeah. Yeah. Even though you, uh, you don't uh, uh, require it because, I've you know, I'm back at work nine to five so i'm drinking a lot less beer than i used to i i don't only because we had this conversation and then every once in a while i'm like i kind of want to eat a chocolate bar right yeah right because chocolate is delicious right exactly exactly 
or drink a Sprite or something weird like that that yeah. I never get a craving for when right. I'm drinking lots of beer. Right, but the thing, like, okay, so, in, you know, I do think that, like, eating a varied diet and eating, like, live, alive and fermented foods is a positive health thing. And, like, right. you know, I have eaten a lot of vegetables and, like, a lot of fermented foods for my whole life, and I have a pretty good immune system, and, you know... I can't say that the two aren't linked, you know, but to say that like antibiotics are bad is like a ridiculous statement, I think. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. And it makes me laugh that there are people who don't 100% agree with you. Right. That's the thing. Yeah. To say, to that, say that like, and, you know, the thing is, like, the arguments that this guy and people like him make is that you take antibiotics and, like, you know, the human body is a symbiotic organism that's populated by, like, our human body cells and also, like, a shitload of bacteria that lives inside us and, like, helps us do a lot of things and most specifically digest food. And when you take antibiotics, a lot of those good bacteria also get killed. So, like, right. I, you know, I understand that it, you know, I understand that argument. But it's like, you know, if if you're going to die and, like, if someone's going to die and antibiotics save their life, like, it's like, oh, you shouldn't take antibiotics and, like, kill your gut bacteria. It's like... Oh, no, that's like a ridiculous thing to say, you know? Right. Antibiotics are, you know, arguably a top 10 scientific breakthrough that's improved the lives of mankind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, or, they're probably overprescribed, and, you know, that could be a problem, but, you know, I don't know. Anyway, the book's cool, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn a lot from it, I think. Um <laughs> Exciting. Yeah. Right. 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 But if we hadn't invented antibiotics, all those people in World War One and World War Two would have died, and then they wouldn't have been around 50 years later for them and their progeny to overfish the sturgeon in the Caspian Sea. It's true. And then we, and then we could afford caviar. Yep. So think about it that way right and also yeah. like you know somebody what it's like uh antibiotic are like is the treatment for like so many stds you know it's like yeah. sauerkraut's not gonna cure syphilis people you know <laughs> sauerkraut won't cure syphilis sauerkraut won't cure syphilis Gotta lead a protest, Sam. <laughs> anyway, all I'm saying is that, like, and you know, he he does like say this from time to time. He's like, you know, it's it's got to be a both together sort of thing. But it it just it only it feels like he's only saying that for like legal reasons. You know what I mean? <laughs> we will get sued. Yeah. <laughs> Sam, next time. 
like anti-vaxxers or anti-maskers or I don't know who you've got in Brooklyn there that, you know, is coming out in their dumb protests. I want you to come out with a sign that says sauerkraut won't cure your syphilis. Right. I, the yeah. interesting thing about this guy, though, is that he is like he got he I think he grew up in New York and he got uh, tested HIV positive when he was young, like 20. And that was in like oh. 1990. Right. And then he and moved. Sauerkraut cured him of it. Well, no, no. I mean, he 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 makes a point to say that sauerkraut will not cure HIV. Um but he like moved from Manhattan to like a like a queer hippie commune in Tennessee that's like a self a, like a homesteading self-sustaining community, you know, which is where he got into the fermented foods and his whole thing is like, you know, he he has HIV, he doesn't have AIDS and so but like to keep it that way, he has to take a lot of these like really intense medications, you know what I mean? Um, a lot of which can really fuck up your digestive system. And his whole thing is that he has managed that, like his whole like managing of his HIV and the medications and various treatments that he's had to undergo. He has, he feels that the like live culture eating has really helped him with that. Which is interesting. Um, Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, he doesn't not take his prescribed medications, though, right? Right, right, right. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm good. But that makes sense. You're on these, you know, a cocktail of pharmaceutical drugs. For the rest of his life. Immune deficiency syndrome. And what you need is more bacteria in your gut to boost your immune system. That makes sense. Yeah. when I was on antibiotics, the doctors told me to eat lots of yogurt. Right. And it would help, you know, it's not just because for the for the probiotics. So Yeah, live sure. cultures. Yeah. That makes sense. Just, you know, don't let, yeah, there is a weird and we should we should wrap this up, but I, we should come back to because I am fascinated and I don't know enough about it. That that weird connection between like healthy living and like holistic health that kind of gets into like alternative medicine yep. that then kind of like scary conspiracy theories. Right. There's like a really fine line between like making your own yogurt and sauerkraut and like hoarding ammunition under the ground. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And the, where is that line? That's right. a very homeopathy lives somewhere in that zone. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the, there's like a, a weird Venn diagram, the overlapping, yeah. the preppers <laughs> and like the flower children. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah, it's messed up. All right, cool. Oh, that was cool. What what's what what's on the menu next week? Either at your home or at your restaurant. What are you excited? I got about? another hot sauce going right now, which is a green hot sauce. So the last one I made was with mostly dried chilies, and that was a red hot sauce. And I got one going now with jalapenos and serranos, and scallions. Um, 
and that is going to be green hopefully so that will we can check back with that probably not next week on top of the crock but the week after because i'm going to let that go for about 10 days i put it on today and i'll let it go fermenting for about 10 days or or more if i need to depending on the activity um and so that'll be cool um i'm working on the brunch menu I'm going to change that up in the next couple of weeks. Um. People, I, I mean, we need to get going, but I always think it's interesting. You know, you mentioned you were excited about your vegan chili dog and it didn't sell well. And, and you've talked before on the podcast about dishes that you're really excited about. But, you know, what's what's the one brunch dish that everybody comes and orders and you're like, eggs benedict again? I don't have a Benedict on the menu right now, actually, because everything's outdoor dining and it's cold and like hollandaise sauce will just get disgusting immediately. Um, I think that in Brooklyn, over the past five years, the number one brunch seller is chicken and waffles. And like, I, you know, I like chicken and waffles. Uh, it's my girlfriend's favorite brunch dish. Um, and I don't really get I mean, it's good. I don't, it wouldn't be my first order at brunch. Um, right. But it is far and away the top seller in I'm Brooklyn at brunch over the past five years, I'd say. So yeah. that's. Your girlfriend's also from the South. Right. It's a Southern thing. It's a Southern thing. Right. Yeah. It's weird. It's now like blowing up in, in Brooklyn for, for the past five my years. My girlfriend is also funny. much cooler than I am. Um, that's true so so because i yeah i can i'm like oh here's this weird thing oh it's like old fish yeah sign me up but like that's not you know that's what i want to put on the menu and then it never sells so wait wait, wait. oh oh fish. yeah <clears throat> that's that's what you want to put on your brunch menu <laughs> i went to uh we went to trinidad not was it last summer not like this past uh, not 2020 but 2019, 2019. Yeah. It, yeah no it wasn't summer it was october 2019 um for michelle's birthday and we went to this place it was like just a trinidadian breakfast place and it was kind of not wasn't near our hotel it was kind of just like in the city in this residential place in uh what is it what's the name of that city Anyway, they had this thing on the menu that was like three different kinds of salt fish and eggs. And it was like the best breakfast I've ever had. And everyone else that we were with was like, that is such a weird thing to eat for breakfast. Because it was just like old fish and like chili peppers and tomato sauce and eggs. <laughs> what else do you need? You don't need anything else besides yeah. that. It was good. Right. Um, we need to come back to this idea. Also, I tweeted about an idea to start a baseball ball with no TVs where oh, yeah. you only are allowed to get the news listening to the radio and watching our electronic ticker right. on the wall. And then we hand out papers of the New York Herald Tribune. We could also serve, like, only salted fish and, like, Red Hots or something right. like that. It's just like cans of anchovies on the bar. 
(laughs) (laughs) What about this alternate idea? And then I know we got to go, but check this out. It's a bar. There's a game on TV. And then you have live commentators doing like the play-by-play and color analysis. In the ball, like as like the entertainment. Like in the old silent movies where they'd have like a live orchestra or like piano player who was playing the score of the movie in the theater. It'd be the same thing except for you'd just have like two guys in like really like bad suits sitting up on a, you know, on a podium with microphones. Sure. Like a, a Laurel and Hardy skit or something like that. Right, but like... Cabin, you know? Yeah. yeah. You, you Like, you know, disgrace broadcasters or whatever. <laughs> so the Cincinnati Reds guy yeah. in Hank's area? <laughs> like Brock Meyer and the homophobic Cincinnati Reds guy. Yeah. <laughs> Just like people who really hit rock bottom, you know, who are doing live commentary <laughs> in a bar. What's that guy hit rock bottom? We need to get his, sign him to a contract. Yeah. It's just like in a chicken wire enclosed booth so that like people couldn't <laughs> throw people beer throw bottles at him. At him. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good. Uh, what was your other idea? You said you had another idea also. No, that was it. Okay, that's a good idea. All right, well, we got it. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, thank you so much for listening. This has been Dump on the Ump, ostensibly a baseball podcast. This has been Top of the Crock. Talk about food. Sam's got his restaurant in Brooklyn and is uh, coaching me, I would say, on my crock pot. Right, Condor Chili. For chili, Condor Chili. Um, Hey, if you like what you hear, uh, give us a rating and a review on Apple iTunes. Tell your friends. Give us a subscription. Tweet at us at Dump on the Ump. If you like the food and pictures of my cats, go to... Our Instagram feed, Dump on the Ump, got some good stuff going there. You should also put uh, Peanut, the dog, on that if you can. Peanut? Yeah. She'd be an Instagram star. Who's Peanut? Isn't that your dog's name? Oh, no, Waffle. Waffle. Wrong food. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Like, who the fuck is Peanut the dog? (laughs) Who the fuck is Peanut? (laughs) <laughs> yeah well so on facebook SoundCloud, and spotify hi ladies and gentlemen for sam my name is joel thank you so much for listening have a good evening and a pleasant tomorrow oh, no. <laughs>